You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. you but I'm thankful I'm thankful that we can come together we can experience God together hey man we can feel his presence in our life just begin to take place hallelujah hey man hallelujah where there was heartbreak there was joy where there is brokenness there is togetherness hey man hallelujah as we just begin giving it all over to him Pastor and Sister Carter, they're away this weekend celebrating their anniversary. Amen. 34 years of um, Sister Carter putting up with Pastor. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So we honor them. We celebrate them. Amen. And in his stead, he's asked me to, to bring the word of the Lord to you here today. And thank you so much music team and uh, just before we get into the word I'm wondering if we can just pray together one more time that God's will will be done that he would speak to our hearts here today that we would be open and receptive to what he wants to do in this place can we just do that Lord we come before you here right now God you know the things that each and every person has come into this place with the things that have been weighing on their hearts on their minds God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to get that over to you here today, that you would be our peace, our joy, our strength. Lord, I pray right now that you would minister to each and every one. God, as you see fit, we give you all praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. And over the next few moments, I'm going to be speaking to you on this topic, when my heart is overwhelmed. Well, my heart is overwhelmed. I find it quite ironic that uh, God led me to speak on this topic here this morning. Because on the way here, our vehicle began to spitter and sputter on the highway and went into limp home mode <laughs> or limp to church mode. And uh, anyways, I, I had to pull over from the passing lane to the driving lane head to the right lane of the highway and just kind of sputter my way into the Rossi Avenue exit. And uh, we were just praying, Lord, help us make it a church. <laughs> and uh, we were feeling a bit overwhelmed as people rushed past us on the highway. <laughs> and uh, we were going quite slow, but hey, man, we are here. We're thankful to be here. We're thankful, hey, man, for God's hand on us. As Psalm 61 is where I want to draw our attention to here today. Psalm 61 is written by King David. David, I'll give you a little bit of backstory to this. David, he had many children from many wives. And this caused some friction within the home, as you can only imagine. His firstborn son was named Amnon. And Amnon fell in love with his half-sister Tamar. And you can already see where the story falls apart. 
Amnon ended up tricking Tamar into his bedroom by faking his sickness and forced himself upon her. And after this horrible act was completed, he threw her out and wanted nothing to do with her. Depleted, dejected, hurt, abused, shamed. Just a few words that Tamar now felt. Her half-brother Absalom, David's third-born son, found her in great distress. Now Absalom, he doesn't do anything initially. But for two years, he secretly plots against Amnon until the time comes when he can kill him. And he does. Absalom, he fears the king's judgment over the death of Amnon. He flees to his grandfather's house for three years until David relents and sends word that he has pardoned Absalom so he can return home. Absalom, he repays this forgiveness that was given to him by leading a rebellion against his father causing David and most of his household to run for their lives into the desert where he ends up in a stronghold, this series of caves that he could hide in from his enemies, from his son. Considering all of this, I want you to put yourself in David's shoes for a moment as he is now alone and face-to-face with what has happened under his watch as king. One of his sons is now dead, killed by the same son that is now trying to kill him. The same son that law and justice demanded to be put to death for his crimes, and yet he showed mercy and pardoned him. Because of how he ran his kingdom, all of David's officials and most of his army have apparently turned their backs on him and followed after his son instead. All the people, his loyal subjects, who have loved him and supported his reign and rule, have rebelled and installed Absalom as king. And as a result... The kingdom that God has promised David is now seemingly being ripped away from him. This was the kingdom that was promised. David would no doubt remember the anointing oil that ran down his head as the prophet of God anointed him to be the next king of Israel so many years ago. And called out from shepherding his father's flock to shepherd the flock of his heavenly father, the Lord Almighty. And in one day, he has gone from living in the highest luxury as the one of the most powerful men in the world at that time to sleeping on a rock in a cave. I want you to get this story from where he's writing this psalm from. This is where David is at right now when he writes Psalm 61. David, he's filled with regret, torn apart by sorrow, carrying the weight of his failures, both as father and as king. And as an, uh, an act of worship and contrition, he writes this powerful psalm to show us how to react when our worlds fall apart and we are feeling overwhelmed. He starts Psalm 61. He says, hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth... I will cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a stronghold, a strong tower from the enemy. Feeling completely overwhelmed by circumstances and situations of his life, David, he writes these words, when my heart is overwhelmed. Have you ever been there? 
Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you had difficulty even coming to church this morning because of how overwhelmed you are with the pressures of life weighing down on you. Life in the 21st century is quite overwhelming at times, isn't it? Constant stimuli, constant news, constant information that leaves us exhausted mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And this psalm is something that I have turned to of late and has become my prayer. I believe this psalm, it teaches us several things that we can do when our lives seem to be falling apart or when, when the feeling of being overwhelmed is choking the life out of us. The first psalm, the first thing that this psalm teaches us to do is to seek refuge in God. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The Lord is our example of this. Prior to the calling of the disciples, Jesus' best friend and relative was John the Baptist. They were cousins. Did I say that right? Usually my wife tells me that I add a T to the end of cousin. Cousin? Cousin. They were cousins and probably grew up playing Hebrew, Hebrews and Egyptians. Maybe you know their version of cops and robbers. I don't know. They most likely traveled many times to Jerusalem for various required feasts together, shared their lives together until John's calling to leave and go into the wilderness to prepare the way for Jesus to be revealed as Messiah. But John, seemingly in the middle of his calling, is taken prisoner and is killed by King Herod. What does Jesus do? Does he call down fire from heaven on Herod's place and wipe him and his evil family from the face of the earth? No. Matthew 14 says that Jesus withdraws himself alone into the wilderness. You say, well, wait a minute. He doesn't go on CBC or CTV and lead a protest or riot through the streets and just say that this isn't fair. The Bible tells us that he withdrew himself our natural reaction to being overwhelmed is to do something about it. We have to. We've got to punch a bag. We've got to work out. We've got to spill our guts to our friends. We've got to do something. And well, some of those things aren't wrong, the Bible's answer is to stop, be silent, and ask God to lead you to the rock that is higher than you. When life has you up against the ropes and the punches keep on coming and coming, ask for God to lead you to him. He is our rock. He's our shelter. He's our refuge. He's the one that we run to when we're in trouble, our strong tower. But we have been programmed to respond immediately to things. I've talked about this before. As soon as our phone chirps or dings, we grab it. Hopefully not in church. But we grab it and feel the need to respond. We've got to do something. We have notifications that come flooding to the forefront of every conversation we try to have with each other. And we drift away to respond. Without even realizing it, we feel an obligation to react with urgency. But what if I told you that peace is not found in our response to emails, phone calls, text messages, or DMs? but in taking our overwhelmed heart to the one who orders our steps. Taking our problems and our feelings about those problems to the one who hides us under his wings. Holding it all inside of you, it's destructive. I admit it's the way of our culture. 
It really is. It's something that we've created in our culture. We tell each other to walk it off. Suppress those emotions. Get over it. Never let the world see you sweat. But let me tell you here this morning, that's pride. That's saying, I have to appear untouchable. I can handle this on my own. This false bravado we try to show when we are overwhelmed is exactly that. It's false. Jesus, on the other hand, says, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's why after we get alone with God, we need to practice the next point of Psalm 61. Hide yourself in him. Instead of hiding ourselves in God, many times we build self-made walls to protect us against the world. The funny thing about these walls is that they are always ultimately destructive to our spiritual walk. Why? Because they're formed in the flesh, our desire to protect ourselves. And that means that they are formed from our fear, and fear is the enemy's tool, not God's. And therefore, if we're trusting in our own walls, the enemy has free reign to harm and harass us in our lives. Consider that for a moment. And then it will make sense why the same situations that we struggle with are over and over again. If the enemy forms your guarded walls, he has the keys to access and come and go whenever he wants. So David's answer is let God reform you. Your task is to get alone. Lead him. Let him lead you to a quiet place, hide you in the rocky fortress of his presence, and rebuild you into something the enemy no longer has access to. And that is why we need God like never before to lead us to him, hide us in his presence, because God himself is our fortress. Not this world. We can't find security in this world, but we can find security in him. He is an immovable force. And so if we want freedom from worry, freedom from anxiety, freedom from emotional pain, make God your fortress. We have a promise that if you do, this is what will happen. It's found in Psalm 91. The Jewish Midrash, it states that Moses wrote Psalm 91 when he had completed the building of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was to be a place for God's presence to dwell, a place where humanity could access his presence. And he begins this psalm by proclaiming, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And by verse 9, he explains what will happen to anyone who decides to do just that. He says in verse 9, if you say the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, this is what will happen. No evil, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. What is the devil called in the New Testament by Peter? A roaring lion. What is he called in the Old Testament? A serpent. 
You will be able to stomp on the devil's head if you just make God your shield, your fortress, the source of your strength. If you make the Lord your refuge, the place that you run to when you're overrun with life's problems, God will command his angels concerning you, the Bible says. You will not strike your foot against a stone. You won't trip. You won't fall. But you will be sheltered in the Most High, sheltered in the one who oversees it all. He will guard you in all your ways. Now, get me, don't get me wrong here. It doesn't mean that we won't face problems in life. But it means that he will guide us through them when we do. How do we get to that point? Well, like David, I believe we need to cry out. God doesn't like stiff upper lips. Some people would point to God and, and, and tell us that God is telling us to be bold and courageous, therefore we need that stiff upper lip. But God telling people through his scripture to be bold and courageous was not telling them to find something within themselves that would buck them up and give them the strength in and of themselves. God was calling people to rest in his strength and his courage. The closer we get to God, the more that we realize how frail, how weak, how in need we are of his power, his strength, and his assurance. We need to release all of that self-reliance to him, and we do that in prayer. When we're communicating with God, when you talk to God, use your emotions. The Lord wants to hear our honest feelings about our situation. He isn't impressed with formal prayers. If you're going through the worst time of your life or your whole day or your whole week has fallen apart, pray like it. Be real with God. He wants your heart, not the best word formations that you can come with in your head. Pray honestly. God, help. I'm drowning here. That, that came out sounding like I was Italian. I'm not. Hey, I'm drowning here. <laughs> If you have a seven-year-old child in your care, they are out in the backyard playing on the swing set, and you're in the house paying bills or whatever it is adults are supposed to do. In the background, you, you hear the creak of the swing going back and forth, so you know that everything's okay. You hear the laughter, and all of a sudden, you just hear quiet, and that is a parent's nightmare. Quiet. You know there's something up. And all of a sudden, the back door swings open, and in walks the child holding their arm, and it's bent in a direction it's not supposed to be. And the child says, oh, wise adult, may you pay attention to my plight, and taketh me to the nearest place of healing, so that this pain may be driven from my body, and your child no health again. No, that's not what a child does. It's a bit ridiculous, right? Don't you expect to hear, ah, I broke my arm. But that's what we often do in prayer. God wants to hear the emotion. He wants to hear the honest feeling. As a parent, we ask our kids, show me where it hurts. Point to where it hurts. He isn't impressed with our quivering lip that tries to hold in the emotion and pain. He wants to know the problem so that he can fix it. And that involves sometimes acknowledging our weakness. Don't be the one that refuses to admit to God when you feel overwhelmed or perhaps even have suffered some wounds in this battle that we call life, yet refuse to bring them before God for healing. We need to acknowledge our weakness, our pain, and even our deepest, darkest emotions. 
We need to admit to God when we don't understand and may even be a bit angry with him. God wants to hear it. He's got some pretty big shoulders. I think he can handle whatever you tell him. Because to be honest, he already knows. He knows and he wants to heal you. But you have to confess you need him. You have to humble yourself. Admit that you can't do it on your own. Come to him. Seek solitude. Hide yourself in him. Cry out to him from that secret place and you will know his strength, his comfort, his peace, his provision as he shelters you under his wings. God will become your shield and your protection so that you can live a life of full surrender and dependence on him. This text is a prayer to God for restoration. It is David's prayer. After everything that he had been through, his life had completely turned into turmoil. If you look back through his life where God first found him shepherding his father's flock, the miraculous thing that God has done through his life and the state that he's currently in, this dejected king, dethroned, and now hiding out in a cave because he is fearful He writes these words from that place, not to get back on the throne, not to get everything right in his life even, but to get everything right before God. And sometimes we have to go to the lowest point before God can get our attention. It is framed by a cry out to God and a vow of praise if God will restore that relationship. He says in verse 2, from the ends of the earth, I call to you. At his lowest point, he felt miles away from God, and it was overwhelming. He says, from the ends of the earth, I call out to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, at those times of discouragement, we feel like we are far from God, and he does not hear us. Our, our prayers are just banging off the ceiling. And at those times, we want to give up on God because giving up seems like the easiest choice. We second-guess ourselves and we turn inward instead of turning towards God. We feel miles away. We feel like He has abandoned us and we feel overwhelmed by that fact. But feelings are deceiving. We cannot go by feelings. We have to go by something that never changes and so let me submit to you here today that we would have to go by His Word. His Word is forever settled in heaven. It never changes. Heaven and earth will pass away. Things in this life will come and go, but this will remain the same. His Word tells us that He never leaves us or forsakes us. He won't abandon you. He won't abandon you in your situation. His word tells us that he will help us through those times of discouragement. There comes a point in life when we have to decide to either trust how we feel or trust what God's word says. And David has been brought to the absolute bottom of life. He is hurting. He is broken. He is defeated. The crowned king of Israel is living in a cave. He does not rest his head on a comfy bed in the palace, 
but on the unyielding rocks of a cave. He fights loneliness and writes this psalm along with Psalm 142 during this period of time. But the reality of suffering is that God allowed David to come to this cave. God allowed this experience to happen so that David might learn not to lean on the props of family, friends, finances, fame, the flesh, or the future. David was taught through his sufferings to wholly lean upon the Lord. You see, God was not trying to destroy David. He was not trying to defeat him. God was attempting to develop David to be the king the Lord always wanted him to be. And the same is true in our lives. To teach us to look to him who uses the hardships of life to develop us. God doesn't do us to break us. He does it to build us. However, times of breaking up and tearing down often come before the times of building up. Pastor had us build a home for him in Hoyt. He bought this property. He bought this, I guess you could call it a house. If you had seen the home, you would understand why I say it like that. Because when we first started, you would, not ex- you w- you would expect it to be bulldozed. As bad as it looked, we made it look even worse as we started tearing it down. (laughs) Every wall in the place, and we started over again. He said he wanted it as a hunting cabin. By the time we were finished, it looked absolutely beautiful. You could have never imagined it being like that to start with. We first started work on it. We had walls down everywhere, piles of gyprock scattered all over the floor. He walked Sister Carter through the house and started explaining his vision for the home. We're going to put this here, and this is going to go over here, and this wall is going to come down so that we have this open over here. And then he turns to her and says, can you see it? And she very emphatically says, no. (laughs) And we all laugh at that response, but how many of us can see what God is doing? How many of us could look at what God is doing in our life and say, I I see where you're going with that, God. It makes sense. As hard as it is to understand and bear at times, God uses the times of affliction, suffering, and pain in our lives to train us to become more like him. If I could have the music come back. We often find ourselves in the caves as well, don't we? God will bring us to the place where we are alone with him and shut off from the rest of the world. We fear those times, but they often precede the times of God's greatest blessings in our lives. We look over Scripture, David alone in the cave, Jacob alone in his tent, Elijah alone by the brook, Moses alone on the backside of a mountain, Jesus alone in the agony of Calvary. Each of these experiences brought about their greatest triumph. It wasn't because they learned some new strength in and of themselves to be able to cope through life. It was because they had learned dependency on God. When my heart is overwhelmed. There are lessons that are learned in the dark that cannot be learned in the light. There are truths that can only be understood by those who are alone with the Lord. Having to flee from the palace to hide in a cave, it would have been humbling. However, in that humble hideaway, 
God began the process of transforming David into a great king. David would walk out of that cave and he would accept the crown once again. He may have entered that cave a broken and defeated man, but he emerged as the rightful king of Israel. He went in running from his rebellious son, but he came out reaching to take the crown. The cave, it didn't define him, it refined him. He grew because he recognized that although it looks like he was hiding in a cave, he was in all actuality hidden within God. You find in these moments of life that God will be your fourth man in the fire. He will. If we could stand just as I come to a close here. He will be your fourth man in the fire. Your still small voice after the fire and the wind have gone through. Your peace that has been in the boat the whole time that the storm was raging on. Your strength the whole time the enemy has been opposing you on the battlefield. He will hide you, the Bible says, underneath the shadow of his wings. He will turn a lonely cave into a mighty fortress. So lead me to the rock that is higher than I when my heart is overwhelmed. That's my prayer for us here today. I know I'm not alone in ever having feeling, uh, that, that feeling of overwhelmed when your heart is just completely overwhelmed with the cares of this life, with everything that's transpiring, and you don't know what to do. And you feel deflated and dejected, defeated, dethroned. Let me ask you here today, if you're in that cave experience, where are you turning to? Are you just hiding out, waiting for things to blow over? Are you finding yourself in God you hiding yourself in Him Hallelujah Jesus Thank you for joining us today if you want more information connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca God bless you